Hello, coconuts. Welcome back to our Tuesday's weekly market updates. This week, we're talking about a new stock called Amplitude, who just went IPO'd. GM accelerating growth to double its revenue by 2030. And is it the right time to go into Alibaba? Stay tuned for more. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, coconuts. Welcome back to our Tuesday's weekly market updates. We took a bit of a break last week, and, and thank you guys so much for, for tuning in this week. This week, we have two new guests, two new uh, podcasters, if you will, <laughs> Anthony and Joel, right? Um, I'll give you a bit, intro- a bit of introduction about both of them, right? So, um, Anthony, we'll start with you, right? Uh, he's got a bac- bachelor's in actuarial studies, so chima, so good. And, uh, oh, but it turns out, actually, he's allergic to numbers. <laughs> so, he's, uh, he's currently a lawyer. Um, and what he does is he trades infrequently, but he likes trading as well. Loves talking about the numbers. He says he's allergic to numbers, but you know, the last time that I spoke to him, he was thinking a lot about numbers. Um, and, <laughs> and apparently after paying plenty of school fees, he's hoping to, to learn his lessons the cheaper way through, through investing. Is that right, Anthony? Maybe you can say a few words. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Um, I think I'd rather learn from you so I don't have to lose more money in the market. I, I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> awesome, man. Good to have you here. And of course, we have Joel, right? Joel, um, or Joel, if you're his mom. <laughs> I do um, Yeah, he is a bachelor's in you know, economics um, and has been working in the insurance industry for the last five years. Um, and he actually, uh, fun fact, right? He's also host the Drunken Rambling podcast at night. So he's the the god of podcasting, right? A lot more experience than any one of us here. Uh, so we always look to him to, for any sort of advice. Um, but, you know, he loves to, to have interesting conversations and uh, hear different perspectives from different people as well. Joel, why don't you say hi? Uh, thanks for the introduction. So it's a very far cry from a Drunken Rambling podcast when it comes to the market updates. So always learning new things. Yeah, And like uh, Anthony said, so we hope to learn a lot from you guys as well. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. All right, let's get down to it, right? So this week, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we have uh, Amplitude that we're going to bring up on. For those of you who don't know the company, we'll talk about that. We have Alibaba. Um, and then there's a whole uh, ton of other things. For example, GM, uh, as well as Tesla, right? And sort of a comparison between these two. So I think, firstly, we'll start off with a little thing called Theta or Theta. Um, it's, it's a cryptocurrency. Maybe, Anthony, why don't you take us through that? Yeah, sure. So, well, it, it's a cryptocurrency, but it's a stable coin, essentially, right? And it's really one of the easiest and, and most common ways for people to convert from fiat to the crypto world and, and the cryptocurrency and from there never leave again and, you know, just, just keep it in, in crypto where it's pegged to the US dollar. So it, it's nice, right? You, you don't have to keep converting and, you know, Incurring conversion mm-hmm. fees is cheap. It's great. It's widely available, saves a lot which of time is all so. fantastic. Um, saves a lot of time. The the well, the the news or well, it's, it's old news now, but lots of news recently again about their reserves, right? Because at the end of the day, it's pegged to the USD. So the the promise has always been that you, you 
when they issue you one tether or tether, um, you they have one dollar in the bank account that that's backed, essentially. Um, then they they change that say to say oh well it's not actually a dollar in that account it's cash equivalents and they change that again um, I think two years ago to oh it's cash equivalents plus loans plus other things um, okay. so there there's always been a bit of a mystery about what what those things are um, and and I think it came up in the news again because there was this whole Bloomberg expose that went well nobody knows um, it could be Chinese it, it's commercial paper yes but. Nobody who's in the Western world who knows commercial paper has heard of these people. So, but where is it, right? Is it Chinese? Mm. Is it Evergrande? And, and they're all going to default and your dollar is no longer worth a dollar. Well, that, that's the fun of it, I Very think. Very sus, um, yeah. Yes, no, no smoke without yeah. fire, right? No, no proof, but yeah, that's it. Got it. Joel, yeah, what, what do you think? So I think just the, the factor, so, so Tether's market cap is currently at 68 billion, right? And in terms of the cash reserves, only 2.9% is in cash reserves. Everything else is like either into corporate bonds, into loans, into debt. So it's like, I mean, the first question that comes to mind is, it's supposed to be packed once to one. And anytime anybody wants to redeem their Tether tokens, they should be able to get it without any delays, correct? So what if, you know, all of a sudden everybody just, hey, I want to get all my Tether out now. You know, it's like a bank run like that. But what do you think will happen to the whole cryptoverse or the whole cryptocurrency market? Yeah, no, look, I, I think that that's the exact you know, energy I was thinking of, right? It, it's a bank, essentially. Mm. You, you think about your traditional banking, you put your $1 deposit into the bank, you know, into DBS or, or whatever. Well, DBS doesn't actually have that dollar, right? It, it's a line item. They owe you that mm. dollar. Um, they, in reserves, they have probably 15 cents of it, right? So, so exactly the same, right? If there's a bank run, there's a loss of confidence, everybody tries to withdraw it. Well, they, they can't fulfill our obligations. Sucks to be you. <laughs> um, or sucks to be the government because they they they, they insure you. Um, so Tether's almost exactly the same. Um, you know, if there there's going to be a run on, on Tether and everybody tries to convert into USD, then that's going to be bad for Tether, definitely. Right? That might not be you know, I mean, there's two schools of thought. One is that everybody will take their Tether and buy Bitcoin and Bitcoin will moon because, well, um, why, why would you want US dollars when you can buy Bitcoin, right? That, that's the, the maximalist point of view. Um, the, the alternative is there's you know, just this whole loss of confidence in, in crypto because uh, a very big part of it has disappeared or is untrustworthy, right? And, and nobody will ever buy Bitcoin again. Um, well, reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, there, there will be a loss of confidence, I think. Um, anybody who hosts Tether, so please don't, um, <laughs> would, would probably lose a bit of money. Um, well, maybe 70, 80 cents on a dollar, but you know, it's, it's still a loss of money, right? Um, there, there's a loss of confidence, definitely. But you know, I think we, we have so much adoption now. Not, nothing's going to change. We have alternative stable coins, right? We have USDC, we have GOSD, and these are audited, um, you know, so, and these are more yeah, so so they're, they're cleaner in a sense um but yeah i, I think what what really interested me about Tether is they, they issue so quickly right so you get like 10 billion in, in monday and that's and that that's a boon for the whole market because it just means that there's a lot of influence in the market you know all prices rise as they raise to bid up prices so i think that's the fear you know if if this huge source of liquidity and, and this huge on-ramp disappears, what, what will happen? Um, maybe there's just less inflow, so, so it's less crazy, less volatile. 
better store of value. But yeah, I think that that's that that's probably the best guess mm-hmm. here, or my best guess here at least. I totally right. echo with what you're saying. Like I feel that um, you know, if if the day comes where Tether fails, right, in the short term, it will definitely send a liquidity shock to the market. Right, it causes everything maybe to drop a bit or maybe massively drop a bit. But uh, I think over the long run, like like you said, you know, there are a lot of alternatives like BUSD, USDC. And it's just, I think the question is, that how fast can this be quickly adopted to replace Tether, right? To get back everything on, on speed again. But yeah, only, only time will tell. And, you know, they can't just keep printing Tether out of thin air, you know, like just boom, 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 boom. You know, next year can be what, 100 over billion and 200 over billion. Then what's can, next? Why not? <laughs> so technically, so technically they can, right? If they want to issue. So they can. Technically where, they can. Where, where I have, That's so scary. Know, yeah. of, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, one of the, one of the issues that, that I'm, I'm currently facing is the fact that, you know, people go into cryptocurrency to run away from, from the, the normal dollars, right? The capitalism, the, the printing of the, the money from the reserve banks. Um, so having it pegged to effectively this system that Bitcoin was created to decentralize, um, is that, I know, what, what is the current confidence of it? Or at least when it started, was it high? And given the fact that now there are, uh, as you mentioned, Joel, it's 2.9% technically uh, equity ratio, if it, if it even is one, yeah. um, or in terms of any sort of balance sheet, uh, is, is this really the way that we, we are going for it? So what's, what's the confidence factor when it first started, Anthony? Do you, do you have any info there? Oh, well, I, I never wanted to hold that. So, so to me, my, my confidence is always in, in the, the coins and the underlying blockchains, right? Um, because hopefully that, that's, that those, that's usage driven to those blockchains, the, 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 right, the price of their crypto increases and really I'm just in this to make money. I, I, don't, I don't really worry about decentralization. Um, I mean, I'll worry about it the day when I can spend you know, crypto easily at everywhere I want. But now I, I live in a real world, um, fortunately or unfortunately. We need real money to live in a real world. So, you know, that, that's about it. Um, and, and I'm preparing to get flamed up. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good. Uh, cool. I think, you know, uh, that's, that's a good start. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Joel, why don't you take us through uh, what you have in store for us? Alibaba, sure. was it? Or? Yes, Alibaba. So uh, first and foremost, I'd like to disclose that I am personally invested in Baba. So this news was kind of like a good positive note for me. Lah. So what actually happened is uh, Charlie Munger, as you all know, is the right-hand man of the legendary Warren Buffett. He has actually doubled down on his investment in Baba this week. So the mandatory filing revealed that Munger's initial shares of 165,000 in BABA has now increased to about 102,000 shares in the third quarter of 2021. So essentially, it's almost doubling. I think he bought at a price of 148, if I'm not wrong. All right. And uh, now his current Alibaba investment is almost valued at $50 million. And this is almost 20% of his entire portfolio. So Charlie Munger has only five stocks inside and, 20, and Alibaba is actually holding, is one of them, it's only 20% of his portfolio. And I, I think you guys, investing veterans, you should know, like as a beginner investor, they always say a general rule of thumb is you should not put like 5% of your total capital into any one stock or crypto or whatever investment, right? But uh, I'll quote Warren Buffett, you know, he said that um, diversification is actually protection against ignorance. Right? It makes very little sense for those who know what they are doing. I agree, which is why I diversified. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie Manga, being his right hand man, I guess he followed. He followed suit, So he doubled down and he went even more into Alibaba. So this 
shows this shows me right that it just um, proves how confident he is in China market and that everything now that is happening in the Chinese market is actually just short term noise and short term volatility and that uh, he believes in the long intrinsic value of the stock over the long run probably three five years ten years I don't know when it's going to become but he knows that ultimately it's going to go there soon so I know there's a lot of schools of thought here right and this is this a potential for reversal. Or are we headed for more downwinds? And I feel that the growth, the price now is currently heavily discounted, right? I think mainly due to the delisting risks, you know, the VIE structure, and also more importantly on how the state, you know, is handling all the the Chinese businesses. So in my view, personally, I feel that Alibaba is already a staple in the Chinese economy, and that it's only time would will take it further in the future. So I'm holding on to my stock with you know, diamond hands or whatever you call it. But there's also another side, you know, the other camp who says that this is only the beginning, right? And you know, Chinese companies in the end also they're going to suffer even more consequences. You know, the the Chinese government is trying to control a lot more. But I feel that ultimately this is meant for their own good, and this is just my view. What do you guys think? Great! Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to digest, right? So uh, <laughs> Charlie Munger went in, of course, you know, the legendary guy that he is, not listening mm-hmm. to his. Um, to his main man's uh, information, but you know, <laughs> um, I think with with regards to that, it, it's not just about Alibaba, though, right? I think the the thing you're bringing up here is the fact of time horizon and investment, mm-hmm. right? And as of now, you see it as a small blip, um, whether yep. it be a U shape or a V shape recovery or whatever it is, uh, it's it's a blip, and therefore we see China going up and up, right? I guess that's that's the argument you're making. And I agree, right? I think, you know, in, in a couple of uh, stock market updates that we did last, we talked a bit about Kathy Wood and how she effectively doubled down on JD.com during this blip, right? Right when the volatility started. And we all yeah. know what's going on in China right now. Too much volatility, a lot of confidence loss, even from the West, right? And of course, yeah. we've got the other grand disposition. We're still waiting on, on a few different things here, but that's where it is now. And market leaders or, or, or market speculators, if you want to call it that, take advantage of these situations. And I think that's what he's doing. Because I don't see, I honestly have confidence that China is doing what it's doing to protect itself and yeah. to have growth. So if you're looking at it just purely on that point of view, and it's a bit high level sometimes, you know, for our users, uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, just focusing on the numbers. But if you look at that and then a one, two, three, five year horizon, I see it as a very positive thing. And I think good on you for, for going into Alibaba. And Anthony, what do you think? I don't know, right? Um, I, I actually, like, I mean, I'm also a shareholder, but I, and so I'm hoping for a rocket ship. <laughs> but I, I, I don't really agree. Um, I, I think, look, Chinese changes, mm. great for society, um, you know, cutting monopolistic profits, being more competitive, fantastic. Um, Alibaba, fantastic company, great business, market leader, strong modes, right? Lovely. The, the problem I have with this is this right um under the, the new chinese system you are going to not be able to be as profitable as before or if you are you you make donations to, to society which takes away from the, the profits you have for shareholders and, and i think that that is maybe where the, the distinction lies like yes it's a great company love it love the products you love using it but i don't know whether it's it's the best investment or it's going to be a you know, two times or three times in, in the next five years um, and, and I mean, just, just thinking about Baba, you know, this, to, to me, this is Munger going back to his root. It, it's a value play now. It's, there, there are days of you know, 50, 100% revenue growth are over. It's slow and steady. 
20% a year, which is still great. You know, trying to defend what they have from, from the Meituans and, and all that, which is also fantastic. You know, but I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's a nice conservative position to have, I think. Mm. It's, it's not something that will be rip-roaring and you'll make five times in, in two years. Yeah, got it. No, I think that's fair, right? But the question I have for you here is, do you think there's an arbitrage, right? So, for example, it's dipped right now because of confidence issues as opposed to anything to do with the numbers, right? Of course, the volatility and all that. So maybe he's trying to make on that. That's it. Not, not anything yeah, more than I, that. I mean, well, I, mean I, I don't know if he has a 10-year horizon. Probably not. No, I don't think so either, <laughs> um, yes. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it's maybe... Uh, look, I think that there's a real confidence issue and that these are real regulatory risks. Um, you know, VIE maybe not so much. Uh, it's, it's tail end, but th- these are risks that, that could really blow up, mm. and, and there's real uncertainty. So, so I mean, it, it's a gamble, I think, mm-hmm. right? We, we, I, I can't say for certain, and I don't know if anybody can say for certain how it will resolve. Um, but as it stands, it doesn't look like it will resolve too much in favor in the way of a company making gangster returns. <laughs> like I already did in the Fair world, old, the the good old days, was it? <laughs> Yeah, back, back to I mean back to the growth days of a year ago. <laughs> yeah, but it is great. Like we have no, you know different enough. different perspectives on this or so. Yeah, and I also feel that there one one other risk is like Rakesh you mentioned the confidence levels. Can confidence in China stocks even you know be back to where it was originally? Because if you know the CCP is able to do this to the companies just on a whim like that, like what makes you think that they won't do it again in the future? So this is another risk that people should to be aware of or so. Right, because ultimately, the Chinese companies are all have to follow the CCP rules now. But still, you know, I'm biased, la, And no. since I'm really into the stock, I can only hope. But I still believe in the, the company's strong, you know, outlook. It's just a matter of time and how long will that take? Hopefully, la, Hopefully, la. <laughs> Hopefully, la, Right? Yeah. You both, you both are invested in Alibaba. I'm not. So I guess you okay. know we'll see who's laughing again. <laughs> at the end of it. I, I'm the back holder, <laughs> so, so it's, it, 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 I, I think it, it's it's risk management, right? I, I like the company. I think China's great. I but you know because of all those other risks and all those other concerns, yeah. it's a small position in, in my entire portfolio. Fair enough. Right, diversification, guarding against ignorance. To quote the uh, legendary Warren Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to touch on one last company called Amplitude. Now, for those of you that don't know, Amplitude is actually, um, what they do is they provide a data analytics tool and an assess platform so that, you know, companies can go in, um, sort of link it with their processes, link it with their software, and it would optimize their, uh, effectively clean and spit out data so that you can optimize your processes and optimize your products. Now, specifically along, you know, app usage or web usage or any sort of product that you have in terms of viewership, uh, in terms of anything that you'd like, it's so customizable. Um, it's not very easy to learn, but once you have learned it, it's got a steep learning curve, but once you have learned it, um, it's it's really useful and, and I've used it before. So Amplitude, why am I bringing this up? Because they just went IPO'd, I believe on the 28th of September. And it's to note that they went uh, IPO, I believe at $35 a share. And as of now, it's up to $50 a share. Valuing the company at, uh, was it five five billion? Five billion. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around there. there. Yeah. Well, that's a billion or so between friends, right? <laughs> yeah. So just just to just to put it in just to put it in perspective, um, our 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 sovereign wealth fund, Singapore sovereign wealth fund, uh, GIC, went 
into this last round of funding, which was uh, then valued Amplitude at $4 billion. So it's up by $1 billion from June to right now, which is October, which is amazing, right? So of course, they're funded by Sequoia Capital and of course, GIC, which is Singaporean um, Sovereign Wealth Fund. Um, it's, for those of you who don't know, Sequoia Capital also invested in Facebook and, and the works, right? They're sort of the, the, a lot of people look to where Sequoia is invested and then invest again. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good on, on Sequoia for doing all of that. And it's good for Amplitude, right? So I think uh, some, some numbers that I want to pull up, they had a 56% jump year over year in terms of revenue from last year to this year. Um, yes, they've had a loss, but most companies, most companies have a loss nowadays. Um, but yeah, what do, what do we think, right? Where do we see the sort of data analytics tool, um, Joel, I can just kick off with you in the next, in the next few years, have you used it in your work? How, how would that, how would that be looking? Uh, to be very honest, uh, this is not my area of expertise. So the only date, I don't know if you actually consider Dropbox, do you consider them, them a data analytics company? Like I, I probably only use Dropbox. But other than that, I, I don't really use any other data analytics company. So I don't really pay much attention to them. <laughs> Maybe Anthony has, has more to share on this. Oh, oh no, look, law is even more old school, <laughs> right? Um, I, I'm surprised we use computers than the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, I mean, look, it, I think, to, look, to, to me, I think that there is a, a midterm secular trend there. You know, d data is a new oil. Um, where we are, there's going to be a lot of data. Mm. It's about how to best use it to to impact your business, right? Um, whether that's internal or, or external, I think it, it's going to be important, um, definitely. As, as we we throw off and and we generate more data, I think we we have probably. I, I remember reading this earlier this year. We, we have created more data over the past year than over the past mm. two or three decades. So you know that's the volume that we are talking about. That's the improvement we are talking about, and. Once there's more data, there, there will be a lot more you know, thought being put towards how to best use it um, to, to benefit shareholders, to benefit the company, to benefit society, um, what have you, right? But, but there, there, now that it's there, we have to use mm. it as a resource. So it's great. Um, I think what I don't know enough about the company except that it has a price to sales of 40 times, which is... <laughs> Yeah, it looks expensive, right? Um, on on what fifty percent revenue growth year on year, so you know that that's great, but not fantastic. Expensive, but I think if we are looking at it, this has to be a mid to long term thing. It it has to be that you you ride the trend and you you hope that this company executes you know really really well, right? And I mean, Rak Rak, you can probably tell us more about it, but I mean, it, it seems as if they they are executing at least by this very. Um, early stage. Yeah, definitely, right? So a right. lot of people may not have heard about them because they don't really, they're not really open in the market, right? You know, it's not like a Coca-Cola that you buy every day. Um, and, and they actually go and sell to anyone from a startup right down to, to a conglomerate. And the cool thing about them is, I think it, as, as Anthony mentioned, right, data is so normal in everybody's day-to-day -day decisions now. Uh, in management, in, in board meetings, they want to see the data, even behind sales, right? So myself, I'm a salesperson. When I report on my sales figures, it's not just about how many, how much revenue we made, but right, what's the activity level? What are all these additional stuff that we are doing to make that revenue? It's a sort of one, one level lower. And all this data we're collecting needs to be firstly captured correctly, cleaned, and showed in charts. Because let's be honest, everyone wants to see charts. <laughs> if you give a table, everyone will be like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not reading that. Everybody's allergic to numbers in that sense. <laughs> so you have to show charts. 
And Amplitude does this really seamlessly, right? Having having used them as well. Uh, that's, I mean, not specifically sales figures, because we know we'll look uh, look at other software, so, but even product usage. And that's so, so important, because when you look at products, for example, you can understand which page does what, where where's the viewers being, uh, who's viewing this page, uh, has it got good traction, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is nobody clicking this button, right? So all of these things can actually be monitored and because we're moving towards app-based, we're moving towards all these digital media and, and web platforms, Amplitude really gives a solid understanding of who clicks what where and whether it's good for you and for your business. All of that in charts, all of that in numbers if you want it. <laughs> you have to go find for the numbers, but you, you can go find for it. But what it really does is it gives you the impact each page is providing on your business. And that is brilliant for, for, for business management and making decisions. So I see this as definitely a good way um, to get started. If you don't know anything about Amplitude, go do your research, do your thing. But I see this in, in five to 10 years as, as what we probably talked about EV a few years ago, right? Um, I think it's just starting. People are just understanding what data is. And I think it's a, it's a good option to buy. I'm not in Amplitude right now. Um, I don't work for them. They're, they don't pay me to say this. I just want to say out loud, but I, I strongly believe in their product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, on, on that note, who, 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 are the, who are their competitors? Yeah, good question. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there are some out there. You can, most of the product software is actually create their own on the back end. But if you look at it, I believe Looker also does it. Uh, Looker is currently owned by Google. Uh, they were a self um well, they were a standalone company and then they were acquired by Google, I believe, last year. Uh, so that's what I use uh, previously. Amplitude, I think there are a few other softwares as well. Uh, not many in this space, which is where I think it's key. So. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, that that makes it sound more, more promising, right? Um, you, you have a pure play um, company, right? Um, imagine, I mean, I'm sure Amazon has this tool in their back end, mm. definitely, um, just, to, just for their website. But... Walmart's never going to buy that solution from them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being being agnostic to in, in the company, being agnostic in the industry, I think it's it's probably you know given how big tech is dominating now, it's probably something that's good you know for for a mid sized company in the longer term. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. So you like for example, if you look at usage, right? So web usage, for example, that would be Google Analytics, but obviously it's it's completely different from what you get on Google to what you get on Amplitude. So much deeper. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think one, one last thing to note, though, is that Amplitude went IPO through a direct listing. They did not go through a spec, right? So <laughs> for our listeners, we did speak about spec and, and grab and their potential spec and a few others. But this, this is actually the second tech company to go through a direct listing to an IPO in two years. So I think that's, that's, that's really cool. Anyway, just a side topic on that one. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it sounded like a perfect yeah. target. Right? Yeah. We have a five-year projection of brilliant revenues. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, they did all the hard work and all the paperwork, right? <laughs> uh, all right, guys. I think we've come to the end of the uh, end of the end of the session. But you know, before we end off, um, how'd you guys find it? Um, any any last words? No, not not for me. I think it, it's been good. Definitely learned something. Um, have to look at amplitude a bit closer. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. definitely a good start. Yeah, same here. I think I'll definitely look at Amplitude and other data analytics companies. Yeah. Yeah, take a look at it. I think it's a good one. The other one to look at is cybersecurity. Maybe we'll do that next week. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. 
right? Uh, so I think just as a last, last plug, if you haven't followed us, please follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Twitch. We're there live. We'll see you every week on Tuesdays. Well, most weeks. <laughs> and uh, if don't forget to join our Telegram group. And if you, have, uh, if you have not signed up for our newsletters, please go ahead and do so. You can always email us as well at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com for any sort of news or updates that you'd like. All right, cheers, guys. Have a good one. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. All right, thanks. See you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.